Blog Talk Radio. Hi, my name is Nick from the Marlins Catch Podcast. Make sure to follow us at Marlins Catch on Twitter and Instagram. For more Marlins content, check out our website at themarlinscatch.com. The Marlins Catch Podcast is sponsored by the Baseball Podcast Network. And you can follow the Baseball Podcast Network on following platforms. Instagram, Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, Baseball Podcast One, without the T. YouTube and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. You can listen to the Marlins Catch Podcast live on blogtalkradio.com or download the Marlins Catch Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the show. Gracias. What is going on, everyone? We are very, very happy to be here. My name is Mitch Grunwine. This is the Marlins Catch Podcast. Um, this is the first show. This is a very, very special day for me and for my co-hosts. But first, I want to thank the great people at Baseball Podcast Network for sponsoring us, for sponsoring our show, and showing support to the Marlins. So without further ado, I want to introduce the two people that are helping me make this happen. Benson, our producer. Say hello, Benson. What's going on, guys? And my co-host, Nick. Nick, what's going on? How are you guys? How's it going, guys? Um, Nick, I am um, co-hosting with Mitch for the Mullins Catch podcast. I'm very excited to get started on this. It's been a long time coming. I've been hyping up for a very long time, and we're just ready to get this going. Very excited, and uh, we're ready to go. Nick, how'd you become a Marlins fan? I became a Marlins fan ever since I was a little kid. I was born down here in the South Florida area. My my parents were actually Marlins fans, so they brought me into that kind of thing. And uh, you know, I just grew up watching them. I loved them. Even through the down times, I stuck with them. Um, and I just have a passion for baseball. You know, it's just a great sport. I love watching it. And, you know, just being from the South Florida area, I've grown up being a Mullins fan my entire life, and I don't plan on ever changing that. How about you, Mitch? Being a Marlins fan is very special. You know, I grew up down here, and I played games when I was very young. I was eight years old when the Marlins won the World Series in 03. So... Uh, it was two months before my ninth birthday, but you know it, it, it it's a roller coaster. It, it's like being on a roller coaster, being a monster. And there's a lot of good times, like the no hitters, and you know Stanton with the home run chase. I thought it was pretty cool, but there's also down times, and. You know, but being a Marlins fan is a lot of fun. And I'll say this about the Marlins. They are definitely the funniest team in baseball. And I think you could agree with that, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some times where they, you know, there's a lot of jokes about them, you know. But through all the hate and all the funny things, you know, it's still – I still i am happy to be a Marlins fan. I know it's, it's kind of funny to say that, especially, like, where they're headed – like, where they're right now. But it's just – you know, I'm happy to be – here. I'm happy to be a Marlins fan. And yeah, they are. You know, they do actually bring up a couple of laughs. To be honest, you know, I kind of make, laugh them myself. But yeah, that's you know, part of it. That thing, man. If you laugh every day, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Without yeah. 
further ado, there are some mailbag questions that we have to get to. Uh, Benson, what is the first question? Uh, the first question is from the Daily Sports Source. How would the Marlins be right now if Jose Fernandez never died and they never had traded their core pieces? How would they be? Uh, let me tell you this. They would not be rebuilding. Uh, I feel like that, that whole started out with with the unfortunate passing of Jose Fernandez. That kind of started our rebuild. And I feel like if we if we still had him here, we would have had an established base. And we could have just built around our a lineup. We could have built around him as a pitcher. But since he was gone, we lost our ace. And our pitching staff wasn't wasn't great. You know, he was our main guy there. He was our ace. He was our future. Everyone loved him. Young kid, 23 years old. And unfortunately, when he passed on, it just it changed Miami. We couldn't be the same ball club we were before. Um, we had to rebuild the team. And that is. And if he was still here, I feel like we could be maybe over 500. We could have been building more, of, more up with this rotation, not having to worry about finding an ace. And, we definitely would have been better than we are now if, you know, Jose was still with us. But, unfortunately, we are in a rebuild phase due – not 100% due to that. It's also got to do with um, ownership and the TV deal due to all the money coming in. But, yeah, I definitely think we'd be winning if Jose was definitely here. I will say this. David Sampson has said some very interesting things. For those who don't know, David Sampson is the old Marlins president. He said on the Levitard show that he basically, like, had a trade done to trade Jose Fernandez to the Diamondbacks in, I believe, between 2015-2016. And in the deal, from Sampson's point of view, A.J. Pollock, Brandon Drury, and Patrick Corbin were three of the main guys that the Marlins were going to get back. At the time. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because I believe that if Jose Fernandez were alive, I don't know if the Marlins would have given him a huge contract. Not because Samson said, from his point of view, he offered Jose Fernandez a huge contract. But Jose Fernandez' Jose Fernandez's agent is Scott Boris. Every, like, Scott Boris, he is a shark business-wise, and he, like, from Samson's point of view, Boris did not care about his players. He just wanted to make money off the commission fees. And who knows that Jose were still alive. I would like to think that he would stay in Miami for a lifetime contract, but, you know, obviously it's one of those things, like, we'll, we'll never know. And I guess you know, it's very sad what happened to him and the two people that he was with, but his legacy as a baseball player and the good that he did in the community will ultimately live on forever down here. I believe that. So, agreed. With that being said, uh, what is the second question? Oh, this one is from Blake. How do you feel about the return packages for Ozuna, Stanton, and Yelich? The return packages. Um, I definitely think it's a little early to tell, basically. I mean, because the main piece of the uh, Cardinals trade was Sandy Alcantara, and he's expected to be in the rotation this year. Uh, huge prospect. We were were very high on him, and we really wanted to succeed. And then some of the Brewers, the Lewis Brinson 
was the big deal here too. Everyone's you know giving up on him early. You can't give up on him yet. He's still young. He's working on his bat. He saw adjustments midseason. He's trying to get better. He's working hard. He's got a great glove. Um, I think the definite return packages for Ozuna. It was I. I think it was fair. The Ozuna one was fair, in my opinion. For the Yelich, I think we could have gotten a little more because Yelich had an MVP caliber season, and Stanton was an, um, <laughs> Stanton was not a good trade for us. I mean, Guzman I do like, but I feel like we could have gotten a lot more for Giancarlo, as he is the he was the MVP, for, and we only got Guzman and Castro, so I feel like we could have definitely got more from that. But I think we did win on the Cardinals trade, and. In the future, you're going to see that the Brewers trade is going to work out for us as well due to Asan Diaz also being in that package, who I think we're very high on as well. So, yeah, I think the return packages for them was pretty decent, except for the Stanton deal. I will say this, Nick. I disagree with you on two things. Number one, with the Stanton deal – hold on. Forgive me, I had to call. But with the Stanton deal – he had that huge contract that Jeffrey Warrior gave him. And I'm not saying that Stanton did not deserve it, because in my opinion, Stanton did deserve that contract that the Marlins gave him. At the time, he did, I think. It was just it just happened to be a heavily backloaded contract. So that's why the Marlins couldn't get more for Stanton. I think the Stanton trade, it's hard to tell how the Marlins, like, are. it's hard to tell how they're going to do, because, like, we, you, they got what Guzman and Endeavors in that trade. I mean, yeah. Who goes with Guzman Endeavors? What they will turn to? Like we don't know. So I feel like that trade is kind of like a question mark for me. I'll say that with the Yelich trade, like that is looking like the biggest in like that. That is Cabrera trade. Okay, maybe not worse because Cabrera was a Hall of Famer, but like. Not as bad, but, like, pretty bad. Like, an MVP, like, I, I'll i say this. I love Lewis Brinson. I genuinely love Lewis Brinson. Lewis Brinson is a South Florida kid, and you know what? He plays great defense. I remember that catch where he robbed Mookie Betts, and that was pretty awesome that he, he robbed MVP, like, of a home run. Like, that was a pretty cool moment of last year. I think you would agree with that. But – with the yellow trade, getting back to that, I think the wild card in that trade is Jordan Yamamoto. He's the pitcher, and I thought he was very good during during winter ball. And Monte Harrison was also in that trade. He could potentially be a good player if he cuts his strikeout rate down. You know, he's got to watch the strikeout. But he, supposedly he has raw power. I don't know. The, okay, maybe I was a little too harsh in saying that the Yelich trade is shaping up to be the biggest L. Like, maybe that's a little harsh. But I'll say this. Right now it's not looking good, but maybe it could be better. But it's like the, the problem is Yelich was on such a f- team-friendly deal, and his contract was – I don't know. It's just – right now I'm not – I want that trade to be successful, but it's not looking good. As for the Cardinals trade, I actually think that was a very good trade that the Marlins made. I thought the Marlins got – a lot of value. Uh, they got Sierra uh, in that deal. They also got Sandy Alcantara in that deal. You know, I think Sandy Alcantara could be a really good. 
I think he could be a decent starter, but I don't know why. I see him better in the bullpen. Nick, I know you disagree with me on that. You want to go yeah. into us both? Yeah, if you want to go into that, I mean, going back, yeah, going back to that on on um, who you're talking to about for Guzman, he had he went 0 and 9 as a starter. That's who I actually predict to be the uh, as a reliever as a long reliever, but going to Alcantara, I think he could be our ace. Like, I, I know you don't think he has the stamina or you don't think his fastball has control yet. He, I believe, has the stuff to be a full-time starter in this league. He he showed it. He was striking people out, especially when he was uh, going against New York. He played well. And I just, you know, I mean, he was walking a lot of guys, I know, but I think that he has a stuff to be a starter, and I know, Mitch, you do agree with that. But, Mitch, can you give us some reasons why you do not think he will be an MLB starter? I don't know. I just feel like all right, all I can say is look at Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller, he was a starter. The Marlins got him and Maven were the two star prospects in the career deal. And Miller was supposed to be like future ace, and it didn't happen. But you know what? When he converted to the bullpen, he did well. Look at Adam Conley. Adam Conley, when he was moved to the bullpen, he did better. So, you know, maybe in baseball you're starting to see that trend of, like, okay, well, this guy – like, I think Sandy Alcantara could be a very effective reliever. But it's just, it's hard to project starters because pitchers nowadays, like, they don't – you know, they're not, I guess, as durable as their – predecessors, so to speak. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I understand what you're saying because Conley did actually have a stellar 2016 season, but 2017 was very rocky for him. He found a spot as a reliever in our bullpen in 2018. So, yeah, I guess you could be right on that. But something tells me that Sandy Alcantara will be the ace of the team for centuries. He is Jose Fernandez's replacement. Everyone's saying that he could be he's taking Jose Fernandez's spot at the crown of Miami is going to be our starter. He's going to be our ace. And I'm just going to back him up for, you know, until I see a reason not to, I think he is a legitimate starter. But I yeah, feel you. Um, well, well, we do have to go to break. Sorry to interrupt. We do have to go to break and we will be back shortly. All right. This Tuesday, tune into FanCast. Philly's pitching prospect, Colt Irvin will join us and we will break down the latest, David Robertson signing, and all the missed opportunities the Phillies have had this offseason. We will also break down the weekly updates on superstars Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, listen to all calls, and mailbag questions. Make sure to tune in to hear what our hosts have to say. Go Phils! Nick, you there? Yeah, I'm back. We're back, guys, from break. Uh, Benton, if you want to ask the next question, um, you can fire away. Yes, and the next mailbag question is from Sam. He asks, uh, what are your expectations for 2019? Expectations for 2019. I expect us to not – roughly, I do not think we will be getting over 65 games at most. I think we are still in a deep rebuilding process. It's going to take – it's going to take multiple years for us to finally find our ground and to actually build up our team to a tie, to a tie status. But yes, I think we will be below a 65 win team. Uh, we're still rebuilding. 
I don't, I don't project us to compete until like 2021 because we're just starting this now and there's so much stuff we still need to get done. So yeah, I don't. I think our expectations are going to be a little low. I don't expect high from us as as much as I would like to. I still believe realistically that our spot here is not going to be. We're not in a great spot. We're still rebuilding, like the White Sox. See what the Astros did, the Cubs did. They all started from the ground up, and look what they are now. We can build a team like this. If we can build a high team, we need to start with the rebuild. I do not expect us to be good in 2019, but that's part of the rebuild. It's part of the process, and we're gonna have to be patient. Patience is not a virtue that most people have. I can certainly relate to not having a lot of patience, to be honest. But getting back to the question, um, I think that the Marlins will improve marginally, not by much, but, like, I think they will win around 70 games. And they won 63 last year. So, like, I feel like if all their – prospects progress like they're supposed to. Like, I can see 70 wins. Like, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I still think we're rebuilding. I mean, 70 wins seems a little far for us because I'm not trying to, you know, put no shade on the team. I'm just saying because, like, they, the Marlins probably do think they could do better than 65 wins, but realistically, they're still rebuilding. There's so much better teams out there. There's teams competing. We're not going to be able to compete with the big dogs up there. As 65 seems – I mean, 65 still – like, that. I think that's the best we can do. Then maybe in 2020 we get, like, 75. We can work our way up from there. But this is just part of the rebuild. I think we're going to have to stick with this. And, you know, it's going to be – we're going to suffer through it. But you know what? The suffering, there's – it's going to be – it's not going to get – it's going to get ugly before it gets pretty. And it's it's not gonna be fun, but in the future we're gonna be we're gonna be laughing about this, you know. I hope so. I hope so. I'd like to think that we would. Now, I will say this, Nick. I need to be honest about something. I think you and I can both agree that this whole JT Romuto thing has gone on way too long, and everyone wants like something to happen. Like, would you agree? Yeah, I'm. I'm getting. Uh, my patience is starting to. Because uh, my patience is actually starting to run out. Because I, like, they were talking about a trade before, and I feel like if we don't trade him, we're gonna get nothing back for him. And if we get nothing back for him, he's not. He's not gonna resign. Him, so we're just letting the player go. We. I know. I know we're asking for a little too much. I think the Dodgers are the main fit for us because they. They're still willing to. They're still not willing to part with Cody Bellinger, as much as I love for them to, because I would love to get him for Romuto straight up. I think that'd be the best trade for us. But we still want more, and I think we're getting a little greedy. I know he has two years of team control. He is, by far, I think he is the best catcher in baseball. And I think Miami needs to trade him, like, right now because we're not going to get any value for him next year. If he bats, like, 260 next year, we're going to get nothing for him because you need to trade him right now when he's on top because he could struggle next year, and the the value of him will drop, and you you can't have that happen. You need him to trade him right now. You need to make the mark. You need to get prospects. Or you got to get – they said you want an uh, established baseball player, a young established baseball player. Name uh, Swirl, there were Andujar, uh, Ozzie Albies, Cody Bellinger. Um, my favorite out of that is, of course, Ozzie Albies. But I do not think Atlanta is parting with him. I think Atlanta is actually out of the race. But, no, I am getting fed up with this Real Muto trade. And we need to strike a deal now. 
I agree. I think the longer the Marlins hold on to Real Muto, the more leverage they lose. And in the baseball business, you want to have as much leverage. Right now, the Marlins have two years of JT Real Muto. And with each day, he gets closer and closer to free agency. So the Marlins need to make a deal as soon as possible. And yes, I understand they're asking for guys like Cody Bellinger and Ozzy Albies. I love the Ozzy Albies personally, but at the same time, the Marlins need to be realistic, right? Like they need to like, yes, you need to start by asking for the stars and the moon, but ultimately like you need to come to the reality that, yeah, we need to get rid of it. So the Marlins need to trade him and they need to get the best package possible. But the question everyone has is what's a good package? I think what the Mets, like if the Mets offered something like Rosario and Peter Alonso, their first baseman prospect, I think that would have been a good deal for the Marlins because they would have gotten the first baseman and they would have gotten a shortstop. I think it would have been a realistic deal. Yes, it's the Mets division, whatever, but the Marlins need to make the best deal. I don't know if the Dodgers could. I would prefer a team like the Padres. The Padres have a very strong farm system. So if they make a move for JT Realmuto, like they, the Marlins could maybe get a decent amount from San Diego. Atlanta, even though they're in the division, would be another good trading partner. I think Houston would also be a interesting trading partner for JT Romuto. They need a catcher and you know, they have a decent farm, not as good as San Diego or Atlanta. But um but yeah, Houston would be an interesting candidate. One of those three teams. Dodgers, I don't see. I don't see the Dodgers. But we we shall see. We shall see. Now another big move that the Marlins made in the off season, Nick, was signing Victor Victor Mesa and his brother. They signed Victor Victor Mesa for $5.25 million, and they signed Victor Jr. for $1 million. So Victor Victor is 22. Victor Jr. is 17. Both players are outfielders. Nick, my question to you is, will Victor Victor Mesa be on the 25-man Marlins roster come opening day? Oh, this is a hard question because I actually had similarities this question before, do I think Victor Victor Mesa will make the opening day roster? I say it depends how he does in spring training. But then you think, hey, Lewis Brinson. When we got Lewis Brinson, we, there was the same question. Will Lewis Brinson be in the opening day roster in 2018? And I said, let's see how he does in spring training. In spring training, he, went, he was fantastic. He had over 300 average. He had, he had a lot of home runs. He had RBIs. And then I was saying, hey, this Lewis Brinson, he's ready to go. He came in the ML, he came in and he did not start off great. He didn't end great either. I mean he got off into a high note at the end of the year. But could that I'm here's the thing I'm nervous about. I do not want to lose his I don't want to ruin Victor Victor Mesa. I feel like Lewis Brinson still has talent, but he did good in spring training and Miami refused to send him down when he was struggling in the MLB. So that's what I'm saying if Victor Victor Mesa does well in spring training, does Miami see hey He's ready to go, and we bring him up to the MLB. If he struggles, you got to send him down, or do you keep him up there? Because I don't want to, I don't want him to turn into another Lewis Brinson, 
because that could be the same thing. But if you see, like, hey, Victor Victor's ready to actually go, the fans want to see him, he's supposed to be our franchise player in the outfielder, in the outfield with Lewis Brinton and Monte Harrison. Uh, I do, and my, my prediction is I do see him making the opening day roster. I do like him. I think he's got a nice bat. He's very fast. He's a he's a 50-50 hitter. I think he can change his ball club maybe in his first year. I don't know about rookie of the year. But, I yes, I do think he will make the opening day roster. Mitch, what about you? So, I'll say this. The one advantage to bringing Victor Victor Mesa up later in the year is that the Marlins would gain an extra year of – uh, his service before he enters free agency. So if Victor Victor Mesa were to start this year and then play six years, he would be a free agent in 2024. But if the Marlins called him up later in the year, it'd be 2025. So he does well in spring training. They may call him up, but it also if he – if he were on the opening day roster, I feel like he would be on a very short leash. However, I'll say this about Victor Victor Mesa. His last full season in Cuba, 939 OPS. And in the World Baseball Classic, he had a, over a 1.1 OPS in six games. And he had 40 stolen bases in 70 games in Cuba. All that's according to fish stripes. So Victor Victor Mesa... I think would make a very great leadoff hitter. And, but it, you know, who knows? Like the, the Marlins have a very crowded outfield. They have Harrison, Brinson, Mesa, they have Sierra, like all those guys are going to be trying to be the starting MLB outfielder. So, you know, it's a good problem to have for the Marlins, but, you know, we'll see. I'd like their Mesa on the, opening day roster. Yeah, me too. I would like to see that too. But so there are other changes coming to the Mons. The Mons had a new logo. Nick logo. The new logo. Um personally I do I like the new colors. I think the colors of the, the jersey fit Miami, the black and the light blue, and the hat and the logo. I do like the colors, but the logo, I'm still a little iffy on it. I don't think it really looks professional. Uh, I do like – I don't like the one on the hat I'm talking about. I don't really like. The other logo I'm a huge fan of, the the real logo, like the one on the secondary logo on the hat I'm not really a fan of. I don't think it looks professional. But the actual team logo I think is really nice. Um, the old logo was just one, and it was just an N with the fish coming with the fish as the uh, coming out of it. And I wasn't really a big fan of that one. And we got the new colors on it. Uh, I do like the logo. I'm actually excited about it. And the jerseys are – I really like the black one. I really think that one stands out. It's very, very nice, especially the back of it with, like, the light blue on the number. I like. I'm not a big fan of the blue one. The white and gray one are nice. I'm just – now I'm happy that they got new jerseys. I think um, the ones were before were actually kind of a little boring, but because they also got rid of the orange one last year. So yeah, I'm happy they got new ones. I am a big fan of the logo. Mitch, uh, what are your thoughts about the new logo that the Mons will have? What do you think about it? I like it, but at the same 
time, it's like, man. They, so 2011, they had one logo. And then 2012 to 2018, they have another logo. And now 2019, they have a third logo. They've had three logos in a decade. And I feel like that's a lot. And personally, I'm a fan of the old school teal. I love the teal. I'm not saying that I dislike this. I think it's okay. But for me personally, uh, the teal is nostalgic, you know. I grew up watching the Marlins, like, in that teal. So when they went away from it, it was a little strange for me. I'm sure for other people that's understandable as well. But the new colors are good. I thought the Marlins went with the whole neon theme, and it was cool, and it was stylish. I'll say this. The gray jerseys with the current logo, the new logo, I think is really cool. Uh, White jerseys, same thing, pretty cool. The black jerseys are very unique. I don't know if I like those. But, you know, overall, the Marlins did a good job with that. So, with that being said, we have another station break, and we'll see you shortly. Hello, everyone. My name is Eamon, and I'm one of the hosts at Pinstripe Talk. On Tuesday, January 9th at 5 o'clock, we will be covering more of the crazy offseason for the Yankees. From Zach Britton re-signing and seeing what the rest of the bullpen goes now that David Robertson is gone, to also seeing where and if Machado or Harper come to New York. All this will be featured on this week's episode of Pinstripe Talk. So what's going on? going on. We're back. So, in addition to changes to the logo, there are also some changes coming to the ballpark as well. Nick, are you excited about changes coming to the ballpark as well? I am excited, actually. I actually can't wait to go to FanFest in February to go check it out. Um, The sculpture, I am going to miss, I guess, a little bit, but they got that yeah, – when you look at the stadium now and what they're doing to it, it looks like an actual MLB stadium now because they got those three porches, I think, that are used as standing rooms. I think that's a great idea so that people can just go there, buy a seat ticket, and they can just, you know, ball hawk the whole game, maybe just catch some home runs, like batting practice. It's a great idea. Then they're having that in right field, I believe, as well. And that's, that's really I – think, I think it's a great idea because it changes the ballpark. And that could also bring fans in. Because with the new changes, people will be like, hey, I want to go to Mullins Park. You know, they got the new changes going on. And that can be a huge thing to bring in fans. But I definitely like the changes to Mullins Park. I think it it definitely it, it changes the style of us, like especially the jersey, the logo. Dieter's just trying to change the whole style of the Mullins. And I personally really like the uh, stadium renovations they're doing. I'll say this. My favorite. My favorite renovation that they're doing is they're changing those ugly lime green walls to blue <laughs> walls. For those that don't remember the 2017 World Baseball Classic, when it was held in Miami, the walls that went around were blue. Normally they were lime green, but for the World Baseball Classic, they were blue. And I personally like that better. I think it's a more cleaner, more refurbished or refined look, you could say. So, you know, I I think the Ivy also in center, like above, above the center field wall, like where, 
that's also really cool. The standing room in right field is really cool in addition to the standing room in uh, the Budweiser Terrace. Also, the 305 menu, or some people probably don't know about that, the 305 menu is this new thing that they're doing. I think it's going to be at two sections. The team was really, like, specific, specific about how many sections it was going to be at. Hopefully, it expands to more than two sections. But the 305 menu, there's, like, items for $3 and items for 5 And in my head, one of the things they have for $5 is, I believe it's a 16-ounce beer. So, you know, that's cool because, like, normally when you go to a stadium, beer is, like, really expensive. So it's good that the Marlins are doing what they can to make food prices more affordable and also give fans an option to buy affordable standing room only. Because, look, like, you could just – buy standing room only and move to basically whatever section you want because, you know, like, no one goes to the games. I think that's pretty cool. It's like, hey, buy standing room, sit down, like, you're good to go. Like, awesome. You're set, you know. So, yes, the changes coming to the ballpark are pretty cool. Um, So, the one last thing, sorry, I'm turning my notebook. The one last thing 2018 in review, last year Marlins were in 63-98, fifth in the NL East, fourth pick in the 2019 MLB draft. Who do you feel was the MVP last year and why? I think it's pretty obvious who the MVP was due to not not really being a big array of talent. I think it's definitely going to go to JT Real Muto. He is the MVP. He's the best catcher on, on the team, the best catcher in the MLB. He put up solid num- He put up great numbers as a backstop. He he helped out with the young pitchers. He knew how to. He knew what to do with them. It's it's a clear favor that goes to Real Muto. He just he's been he's been great, you know. And he doesn't even let the outside rumors like he doesn't let it get to him. Like if he's like talking about a trade and they say to him, "Hey, what are you talking about the trade?" He just ignores it. He's out there to play baseball. Whatever happens, happens. But he's just out there. No matter what, no, no matter what team he's on, no matter what he's doing, he's gonna go play baseball the same way you do on any other team, and that's why I love JT Ramuto. Unfortunately, I mean, I am, I do want him to get traded, but I'm still gonna like him whatever team he does go to. I still think he's a great catcher. He's got great personality, but yeah, JT Ramuto is the MVP for the Marlins for the 2018 season. I would agree with you. He was our only all-star representative. However, I do think there were uh, some other interesting storylines in 2018. Brian Anderson, the emergence of him, he could play third base. He could play right field. I think he is a very valuable piece. I think Sandy Alcantara, like you said, it can be an effective pitcher, whether it is as a starter or as a reliever. We'll see. Um Adam Conley, his switch to the bullpen proved well. I thought Drew Steckenrider, he did well. Tehran Guerrero, he did okay. I think there's potential for him. I mean, he throws really fast, and maybe he could be like a mini Araldis Chapman. Who knows? But I think there were definitely a lot of good storylines in 2018, and hopefully they can continue into the new year, 2019. However, that is it for us. 
we want to thank you, Nick and I, for joining us on our very first podcast. Tune in next Monday for the second episode of the Marlins Catch. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. The Marlins Catch is produced by Benson Vector. The Marlins Catch is a baseball podcast network production. Be sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Nick at Marlins double underscore news, and Mitch at Mitch Brandwine. That's B-R-A-N-D-W-E-I-N. And be sure to follow the Marlins Catch official Instagram page at the Marlins Catch. For more of the Marlins Catch content, be sure to head over to their website at themarlinscatch.com. And for more Baseball Podcast Network content, be sure to head over to their website at baseballpodcastnet.com. And be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Marlins Catch. We'll see you next week.